all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. You can follow us on Instagram, X, Facebook, TikTok, Twitch, at All Bad Things, oh, Blue Sky, <laughs> and the other one, Threads, at All Bad Things Pod, emails allbadthingspod at gmail.com, join our Facebook discussion group, our subreddit, and our Discord. Do all of those things. In that order. <laughs> what you drinking tonight? I am having uh, the world's finest national local beer. It's Miller time. That it is. Mm-hmm. Because there was a Black Friday football. Yeah, is this the very first time? Very first time, yes. It wasn't a very good game, but whatever. It was football. So well, J E T S suck suck suck. suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoken only as uh, fans of other AFC East football teams. Yes. <laughs> well, I'd say I'm neutral at this point, pretty much, but. You can still, I, you, I don't mind seeing the Dolphins win. Right, and you can still hate on the Jets. You don't oh, have yes. Be, you don't have to be neutral for that. Oh, no, you don't even have to like football to do <laughs> no, that. You can just do it. Just like, you know, walking. <laughs> walking and like feeling sorry for the Jets. <laughs> oh, no, not feeling sorry. No, oh, that's true. Disliking. Yeah. Disliking. I am drinking GT's Synergy Raw Kombucha Ginger Aid. Ah. Mm-hmm. Is that a, uh, that's more of the, the vinegary kind, no? Uh, a little more vinegary than the one you tried last time. Let's see. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's it, all. It's all right. It's very it's gingery. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was gonna say ginger usually overpowers anything. It can. Yeah. Yeah, it's got quite a bit too. So, are we ready? We are. All right. I, I did research. <laughs> no listener script this week. Not I'm proud week. of myself. Not this week. That's right. <laughs> proud of myself on that. <laughs> I uh, busted this one out pretty, pretty quick, actually. So, um, hopefully, that's not an indicator of poor quality, but we shall see. So, um, I kind of mildly teased this one that it was pretty well known, but an individual tragedy. Okay. We've ended up covering, I think, this year, a number of famous people. We have, yeah. Famous people. Quite a few. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do that tonight. Okay. Um, Now, there's way too many famous people who have died to even come close to uh, even by natural even by natural causes. But I'm guessing that's not what this is going to be. No, not even a little bit. This is the story of the death of Jane Mansfield. Oh, okay. I know that name. I don't really know. Any more than that? Just She name? was uh, in the 1950s? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was her, well, she was, obviously, she existed in the 19th. That was her right. era, like, of... Of what? What did she do? Do you know? Oh, she was an actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, you got it. Do you know anything about her? Like, do you have an image of her or Not know about her? Not necessarily, no. I just her, know the name. Image. Okay. Okay. At this point, it's weird because the 1950s are 70 years ago. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's literally yes. like another mm-hmm. world ago. Now, she didn't die in the 1950s. Mm. So, on June 29th, 1967, oh. legendary actor and sex symbol Jane Mansfield and two others were killed in a car accident in Mississippi. Okay. Her three children were oh. in the car. Oh. But survived with minor injuries. Good. So all three of the... Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Do you know who and one of the is... kids was? No we'll, we'll get okay. to that in just a minute. But this is 1967, so that's kind of a miracle in itself because that there are no... That anybody survived? Well, there's no child seats. That's exactly right. <laughs> they were probably just, oh, just throw them in the back. That's exactly right. <laughs> but we'll talk about why they maybe survived, too. Oh, that's that's crazy. So, mm-hmm. so she died in Mississippi. Is that what you said? Yes, it was. It was just before reaching, and we'll get into that. The bridge, a bridge that leads 
on um, US 90 from Mississippi to uh, the little toe part of the boot of Louisiana. Okay. She's headed from Biloxi to New Orleans. Okay. So we'll talk about that. So primary sources are All That's Interesting, The Desert Sun, Harper's Bazaar, IMDb, Jalopnik, JaneMansfield.com, Motor Biscuit, The Times, Picayune, is that it? Picayune, yeah. Picayune? Yeah, that's the Baton Rouge. Lee can help us with that. Paper, right? Well, it's Louisiana. I know that. No, but I think think the Times, Picayune, it's either New Orleans or Baton Rouge's Isn't Baton Rouge the capital of Louisiana? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Lee can help us with all of that. (laughs) The Vintage News and Scholarly Journal, Wikipedia. Yeah, I've never known specifically how to pronounce that. Picayune. Picayune. So. I don't even know what that word means. I don't don't either. But anyway. All right. So just like we will never run out of disasters to cover, we will, unfortunately, also never run out of tragic celebrity deaths to cover. And this is one of those stories. Plus we, I mean, our topics are focused on accidents or freak occurrences, things like that. The most common accident pretty much in the world is a car accident. Every single uh, one of us is more likely to die. And every single one, one of us is most likely to at least else. been in one. I, yeah, I, right? I like even a fender bender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You actually were in a pretty bad car accident, but yeah. that didn't hurt you at all, no, fortunately. Killed your car. It did. <laughs> but didn't didn't kill it, you. Did not kill That's me. good. Yes. Didn't even hurt you, really. Nope. Yeah. So, given that this horrible accident happened over 55 years ago, most of us listening probably don't, like, remember Jane Mansfield. She died well before a lot of us were born. Sure. So, ten, this is 67? She died in 67. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. 10 years before I'm born. Yep, exactly. Now... My oldest sister's not even born yet. Yep. So... Yep. Now, you might recognize, though, her daughter, Mariska Hargitay. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, not NCIS. Um, you're, you're gaining on it. C- not CSI. What is what is it? Law, Law and Order, Order yes. Special Victims That's right, SVU. Unit. Yes. Spoo. She has... Isn't per- Taylor Swift's cat's named after Olivia her? Olivia Benson. Yes, yeah. Olivia Benson is her character, yes. Um, and she has portrayed Olivia Benson for almost 25 years on that show. See, I get some street cred for the uh, Taylor Swift <laughs> cat T knowledge. T-Swift, there you go. I'm a, so... I'm a, I'm a Swifty in in, uh, in in my heart. <laughs> so today we're going to learn a whole bunch about Mariska's mom and her very sad death. And also remember how I said three of Marish- of um, Jane's kids were in the back? Mm-hmm. Guess who was one of them? Oh, it was Mariska, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's crazy. Yes. So Jane was born Vera Jane Palmer on April 19th, 1933 in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. So if she hadn't died like this, there's a chance she could be one of those, like, Kim Novak, <laughs> you know, who, who yes, is I now, do. like, 90. Yeah. Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> We've discussed that before. <laughs> yes, we have. So she was born in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. She was the only child of Herbert William Palmer and Vera Jeffrey Palmer. Her father, who was a lawyer, died of a heart attack when Jane was only three years old. Um, something, unfortunately, she would have in common with her own daughter. Oh, really? Um, well, not the father, but the mother. Yeah. Uh, well, as a, a little bit of a, um, spoiler alert, Mariska was born in 1964. The crash took place in 67. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Jane would later say of her father, quote, my earliest memories are the best. I always try to remember the good times when daddy was alive, end quote. Now, to be fair... If you're three when your dad dies, I don't know how much you're remembering, but whatever. Yeah, not much. Probably not. So her mother was a teacher and went back to work to support herself and her daughter. And then she later remarried Harry Tex Piers and moved the family from New Jersey to Dallas, Texas, where Piers... Quite a move. It is, where Piers instilled young Jane, in young Jane, a love for barbecuing. (laughs) Texas. Hey, I was going to say, if you're in Texas, yeah. Yep. When in Rome. <laughs> when in Dallas. <laughs> From as young as five years old, Jane was a consummate performer. She was like one of those little kids who just wants to like be the center of attention performing. Yeah. We might know a child or two like that. Yeah, except she might be good. <laughs> except she was good. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I'm kidding. She, actually, <laughs> but, Jane I mean... was did have some talent. So anyway, <laughs> so she would perform for audiences from friends and family to her own stuffed animal collection, wanting to be a child movie star like Shirley Temple. This was this would have been sure. Shirley Temple's era. She was classically trained in piano and violin, so she okay. she did have some talent, and she would busk in her own driveway with her violin. Okay, <laughs> takes a lot of gumption, I think. By all accounts, she was an outgoing, friendly, kind, and trusting child, and a good a good student throughout high school. On Christmas Eve, nineteen forty nine, at age sixteen, Jane went to a Christmas party and met twenty one year old Paul Man. Sorry, twenty year old Paul Mansfield, and this is Jane and Paul. Okay. I like uh, I like the shoes on Paul. The uh, the, 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 the two tone. <laughs> Well, the two-tone. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. White on top and black on the bottom. Almost like boys' saddle <laughs> shoes or well, something. Yeah, like the, you know, the, it, that was like the 50s version of like a hipster right there. Yeah. The, those, those kind of shoes gives, yeah. gives it away. A zoot suit, I believe that was called. And that would have been like 1952. Yeah. A 50 as well. So, yeah. Uh-huh. She's, uh, she's pretty striking in a, just a basic photo. Oh, yes. She's very pretty. And I'm going to show I mean, you later some pictures. I'll show you more pictures of her. But I'm also going to show you pictures of her and Mariska. That I think there sure. are angles well, at mean, which they look a lot alike. Well, Mariska Har- Hargitay famously has like a chiseled jawline, just like her mother. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, and, and their noses are similar, yes. too. Cheeks, there's, too. There's a de- decent amount that's pretty similar about yeah. their faces. You can tell it's her kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so depending on the source, uh, uh, Paul and Jane either got married in January 1950 when Jane was still 16 or they got (laughs) married in May 1950 when she was 17. Regardless, she gave birth to their daughter, Jane Marie Mansfield in November of 1950. So you can see why they may have wanted to say they were married in January, but maybe they were. They may have been married or maybe they were trying to fudge Even back in this time, that's, this situation's not all that uncommon. Mm-mm. No, it's not at all uncommon, but it's very common to pretend that it's not sure. common. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's some sources that differ as to Jane Marie's paternity. Um, some sources claim that Jane was actually sexually assaulted, and that's how she got pregnant. And But... Uh, who, at this point, who the fuck knows? I mean, certainly, so, and certainly at this time, if that if that scenario did happen, it's not like it would be reported on or anything like so. Exactly. It's, it's, I mean, that's plausible too. Yeah. So let's be honest. But regardless, <laughs> kind of remarkably, this is 1950, right? Um, and what do women who have kids in 1950 become? Oh, just stay at home moms. Exactly, yeah. housewives, right? Um, but that was not Jane's path. She was very focused on the idea still of like, no, I'm going to be a star. This is my thing. I'm going to be a performer. So she and Paul both enrolled in Southern Methodist University. At SMU. SMU, yes, to study acting. Aren't they, um, the only football team to have been, was it blacklisted or what do they call it? Uh, Blackballed? Something, I, I can't remember the term. They essentially got red carded for... They, they were lo- not they allowed to their, compete, right? They lost their program for like three seasons. Right. Something like that. Due to cheating? All sorts of shit. I've watched a documentary <laughs> like, like, on it yes, years ago. Like apparently, the, we're talking about the early 1980s. Mm-hmm. So they produced, the biggest player they produced, uh, most well-known player is Eric Dickerson. Okay. Um, but there was, there was kind of the joke back at that time because they were getting so much under the table money from the boosters that... When they got drafted into the NFL, they were taking a pay cut. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Ah, gotcha. So, you know, if that was the joke, it was probably, there was some truth to it. Right. Right. (laughs) You know. Yeah. And and this is Texas, too. Texas college football we're talking about. Uh Uh-huh. And it's not like that doesn't still happen today. Although they've legalized, at least players can get some money. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I, I just watched um, an interesting short documentary on HBO called Blindsided mm-hmm. about Michael Orr. Yeah, I've, I haven't watched it yet. I've heard about it. It's, yeah, it's, it's... it's interestingly like, so, you know, this the movie The Blind mm-hmm. Side, first of all, completely inaccurate to his life. Sure. Um, really made the twoies look good. Um, of course. But like, 
he actually had a family in the whole, like, he, he was in foster care, but he had guardians and everything. And then the Tuies never adopted him, even though they claimed to have. At age, his age 18, they put him into, buzzword, conservatorship. Uh, yeah. And made a shit ton of money off of him. And that's all uh, pending litigation. Yeah. But, uh, and they did not dissolve the um, conservatorship until this year. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's any big shock. Um, well, it's not I'll a big, do, I'll it's do not respect. Sh- no, I'll do respect to any white Southern listeners we have here. <laughs> but I don't think it's a giant a shock that this rich white <laughs> Southern couple possibly took advantage of a, a person of color. That's all I'm saying. So. Anyway, <laughs> Southern Methodist University. No, I, I think it, no it, it's definitely not a shock that the movie was completely like, you know. Oh, it was a, done up. Unfortunately, yeah. in retrospect, it is such a cringe film. I it is very it. white savior. I don't, I don't think I've seen it since it came out. I, I do remember seeing it when it was big. And uh, they apparently it's like full of shit. Like um, the movie claimed that like he couldn't read and write and everybody <laughs> in this documentary who knew him was yeah, like, he, like he was a very he could, intelligent he person could read. he could read and write <laughs> like that was bullshit well and i'm not even joking generally the most intelligent people on players on a football team are the offensive linemen really yes because they have to know they don't have they don't have to just know their own blocking patterns they have to know what everybody else is doing Mm -hmm. so that they don't jump offside or if they they don't go down down field mistakenly for Mm -hmm. so no they they typically are like the smartest players on the team i have a silly question who's the dumbest player on the team the what's the dumbest position i don't there really isn't one yeah i mean everybody there's specialists for everything football and baseball is, is a sport that are two sports that very much rely on specialists like yeah, you, that's can, fair. you can do this mm-hmm. one thing who's the weirdest like who's the goalie of the football team I, probably the long snapper maybe i don't know <laughs> okay <laughs> we should probably start talking about jane mansfield again <laughs> so in uh, sure. she and paul are enrolled at smu um studying acting in 1952 Paul was called up in the Army Reserves because it was the Korean War. Sure. And the Mansfields moved to Camp Gordon in Georgia for a year. And Paul promised Jane, hey, look, when my tour is over, we will move to Hollywood. We'll move oh, to L.A. Okay. and you can pursue your dream of being a star. He thought, oh, you know, little lady will get this acting bug out of her system in the meantime while I'm, while I'm in the Army. Um, that's an extremely 1950s man way to think about it, but he was wrong. So while he was serving in the army, Jane had her grandparents watch Jane Marie, while Jane temporarily moved to California to attend UCLA for a summer semester. She also entered at the time the Miss California competition, but Paul found out and made her drop out of it. And then there was also the little problem that Miss... America and Miss California, you're supposed to be unmarried. It's not Mrs. <laughs> yeah, she was married, so she was not really allowed to compete anyway. But although that would be an interesting contest, Mrs. America. There is. Did oh, you is not there? know that? No, yeah, I didn't. there's there is a Mrs. America. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's not as popular. <laughs> Why is that? I wonder. She moved to Austin, Texas, where she studied acting at the University of Texas at Austin. And after that, she moved back to Dallas Hook and horns. Okay. And studied <laughs> acting under Baruch. I might be mispronouncing that. Lumet, Sidney Lumet's father. I so was famous just actor, going Sydney to Lumet. ask that. Yes. Chair get caught on the rug. Yes. Uh, so Paul followed through on his promise, even though he thought, like, okay, she'll get this out of her system. She didn't. Okay, he got back home and moved the family to Hollywood for Jane in 1954. Four months later, they separated. I was going to say, this is also like peak Hollywood. It is golden age like, Hollywood. really? Yep. The mm-hmm. mid-50s? Yeah, this is motion picture Hollywood. Yeah. Studio system Hollywood, which we'll talk about in a minute, too. Um, so Paul moved back to Dallas. Jane decided to keep the name Mansfield because she liked the name better. Jane Mansfield. She preferred it to Palmer. She worked a bunch of odd jobs. She modeled. She... She did some photography. She sold popcorn, kind of like the classic 
hustle of the wannabe starlet, you know? I suppose Jane Mansfield is Secretary of State. I just remember that from Back to the Future. Oh, that's right. <laughs> because he finds, he's like, okay, future boy. Oh, who's, Ronald Reagan. Who's President of the United States in 1985? Ronald Reagan, <laughs> the actor? <laughs> I suppose Jane Mansfield. I didn't that's understand funny. why that those scenes were so funny when I first saw that movie. Sure. But when uh-huh. you grow up and then you realize like what he's talking about. Like, right. Like, yeah. If you told somebody in 1955 that in 1985 Ronald Reagan's going to be fucking president. Not even the it'd smartest be like, actor. It'd be like telling somebody in uh, 1986 that in 2016 Donald Trump oh is going to be president. No shit. Oh my god. <laughs> There's nobody would believe you. No. You know, I I would more believe Jimmy Stewart would be president. Yes. You know, Cary Grant. I would more believe Ronald Reagan would be president over Donald Trump. I guess. <laughs> Although I think Cary Grant was actually a British citizen. I think he was born in the UK. Anyway. Whatever. We'll take him. Yeah. <laughs> Does he have a son? <laughs> or, a, or a daughter whichever so um jane was able to get a couple of bit parts in films but she was having a, a tough time breaking through and even in modeling she struggled because she had a large chest which at the time was considered more vulgar than desirable at the time she was just in the wrong <coughs> decade well, <laughs> turns out not so much because starting in 1953, there was an additional opportunity for women shaped more like Jane wanting to model. It was a little magazine called Playboy. Did it go back that far? fucking three. Holy shit. Yes. I thought it was like... The 60s? You, yes. If you would have asked me like when did Playboy start, I would have said like 1966. Like something like that. 1953? Mm-hmm. Hugh Hefner was that fucking old? Oh my god, that was man he was ancient. I don't think quite, but he was very old. God damn. He was also a fu- an absolute horrible person. Well, yes. I mean, yeah. He but... literally he literally lived in a, mm-hmm. like, just freaking... And assaulted women. Yeah. yeah. He yeah, lived in, a, like, a, a sexual asshole. assault palace. Yeah, basically. Um, the publication launched with Marilyn Monroe as the first centerfold. I did, I did know, know that. that. I did know that, yes. Okay. And it included... This I found really interesting. In, in like May or March, April, May of 1953, Playboy published in a serial format all of Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. That's how it was first published. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Jane was an early playmate of the month, first appearing in February of 1955, and she continued as a feature model in February 56, 57, 58, and 60. So, and we'll learn in a minute why it might have been more difficult for her to appear as, appear nude at various times. But unfortunately, Paul used this part of her career against her, suing for custody of Jane Marie on the grounds that Jane was somehow an unfit mother because she posed nude. Again, mid-50s bullshit. Right, yeah. Um, But he was not granted custody. So here is a picture of Jane and Jane Marie. In what very much appears to be the fifties. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you can tell. <clears throat> look at how just look at how gigantic the cars oh, are. Oh I know. <laughs> they are boats. They're just absolute boats. They must have gotten like two miles to the gallon. I don't even I don't think they even advertised but they, it wasn't a right? problem back then. Yeah. It was just like, does it take gas? Yes. <laughs> Lots of it. Amidst her early uh, her emerging popularity from Playboy. Jane was experiencing both the long, drawn-out divorce process with Paul and the beginning of her next relationship. So in May 1956, Jane attended a Mae West show at the Latin Quarter nightclub in New York. So do you know who Mae West is Mm -hmm. and what she was known for? She was like a Broadway-type person, right? Kind of? She was, I mean, she did like variety show review type stuff but she was also in movies okay but in like the 20s and 30s oh wow okay yeah yeah she would have been almost 60 at this point sure yeah but she was known like to be the total sex pot actress right that was that was her of the roaring 20s yeah like like literally i think the she was born in i think 1898 okay so yeah the 20s and 30s would have been that would have been her day yeah Mm -hmm. and she's known for being body and a whole bunch of other stuff but uh this show that she was in because like i said she was almost 60 it kind of hung on to her cachet 
as a former sex symbol. And basically, it was a show consisting of her surrounded by a bunch of young, muscular, shirtless men. That was, that yeah. was the show. <laughs> um, as May herself put it, quote, Men come to see me, but I also give the women something to see. Wall-to-wall men, end quote. <laughs> Good point. So one of the men in the show was Miklos Karoli Miki Hargitay, a 30-year-old actor. I think he was um, Hungarian, if I'm not mistaken, and bodybuilder who had won the amateur Mr. Universe competition the year before. Very famously, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a three-time professional Mr. Universe winner, um, 68, 69, and 70, oh. as it turns out. So the story goes that J- Jane was at the show, and she told the waiter who came to her table, quote, I'll have the steak and that tall man on the left, end quote. <laughs> Jane met Mickey after the show, and their relationship grew from there. And he was Hungarian? I think so, oh, okay. yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe so, if I'm if I'm remembering the Wikipedia page correctly. He was Hungarian. Hargate. Sure. That was, uh, Yeah. Um, but this relationship, like, incensed Mae West. She was not having it. Basically, like, Jane was, like, the up-and-coming sex symbol, and Mae West was very much the aging sex symbol. And, uh, she actually, Mae West called an entire press conference where she was going to have Mickey read a written statement basically denouncing his relationship with, Jane. Uh, wow, okay. And, J- and instead, Mickey went completely off script and said, quote, Janie and I are very much in love and we have seriously discussed marriage plans in the future. End okay. quote. So he kind of kind of stuck it to her, yeah. as it turns out. Let's so put, this is... the kibosh on that one. Jane and Mickey. Yeah. I mean, pretty sexy dude. Mm-hmm. They're like a very, they're a very hot yeah, couple, yeah. you can see. <laughs> very, uh, very photogenic. And I'm yes. sure uh, she was very telegenic, it looks like, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. May went to, uh, May West went as far as to have Mickey beaten up over the whole thing. Like, he, she literally had somebody beat him up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, none of that deterred Mickey from Jane, and he proposed in late 1957, giving her a 10-carat diamond ring worth $5,000, which is approximately $55,000 today. Here is a picture of her <laughs> in the ring, which is like the most obvious Yeah, that you can see it from space probably, mm-hmm. like the, the, the glare. Like, oh, it's her ring right. again. But then again, we weren't in space at that time, so. Yeah, early days. <laughs> the, mar- the, the aliens saw it. Right. Um, as Jane and Mickey were discussing marriage, Jane and Paul were still very much discussing divorce. The divorce finally went through on January 8th, 1958, and Jane and Mickey held their wedding on January 13th, 1958, so they wasted no time. The rare uh, January wedding that is the... Uh, yeah. Is it the least is the common? Least, yes. Hmm. For obvious reasons. It's usually cold. Just where, after where, the holidays. Wherever you are. Yeah. yeah. While Jane and Mickey were meeting and falling in love, Jane's career was also starting to take off. Her time spent acting in plays in her early career was paying off as she started starred in the original run of Will Success Spoil Rock Hunter opposite Walter Matthau on Broadway. Okay. And that gained her the attention of the film studio 20th Century Fox. Fox signed Jane just a couple of weeks before she met Mickey in 1956, and they had the intention of having her become the next Marilyn Monroe, right? Sure. Marilyn Monroe had really become popular, like, right before this, but was starting to you get your, harder uh, to you deal You need your with. successor. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, a side corner here, because I'm not sure how many people are familiar with the studio system of, like, the mid-20th century, or if we'll ever have the opportunity to talk about it again. So, I figured I'd mention it. Are you familiar with, like, the studio system? Yes. And, yeah. So. That was your only way in. Basically, like, it was common for actors to sign multi-year contracts, mm-hmm. typically four to seven years, with a film studio. Right, with a particular MGM, studio. Warner yep. Brothers, 20th Century Fox. They would then exclusively work with that studio for that period of time, unless they had stipulations in their contract that they could be contracted out to other studios, loaned to other studios. There were some stipulations like that, but it really, like, 
limited what actors were allowed to control of their own career. It's Sometimes, also it's also why uh, film unions happened. Exactly, it's a very non labor friendly practice, yeah. right? They could um, not only control what stars appeared in they could deliberately put them in bombs and tank their careers sure. they could um could and often did like force just, just physical end, or, restrictions mm, on them or just end their career early be yeah. like oh we're not making that film now yeah very famously judy garland was like as a child appearing in um wizard of oz was sped or was uh, fed speed for weight loss, like, and shit, like, really hideous yeah. shit. And especially for Schlitten. Really shitty anti-labor system. Um, so that's, anyway, that's what she, but that's how you, you worked. And that was a big deal when you got a contract. So under contract with Fox, Jane got her first starring role in the film, The Girl Can't Help It. Um, it was meant to be like a star vehicle for her, mm -hmm. right? And it glommed on to the brand new rock and roll craze of the mid to late 1950s. Mm -hmm. But the film was a hit and it helped propel Jane's career through the rest of the 50s. She won a Golden Globe for New Star of the Year mm -hmm. in 1957. She beat out Natalie Wood. And that same year, she starred in the film adaptation of the role she established on Broadway in Will's Success Spoil Rock Hunter. She went on uh, both a North American and European tour to promote the film. Unfortunately for Jane, a few circumstances conspired to make her film career a short-lived one, even before her tragic and untimely death. One was that uh, Jane and Mickey wanted children, and the Hollywood system of the late 50s was anything but progressive when it came to its actors being pregnant. I mean, it's kind of still that way now. Oh, yeah. I mean, geez, can you imagine how it was back then? Oh, it was horrible. Uh, famously, some actors, like, adopted so that they could have kids but not be out of work. Sure. So, yeah. Um, Jane gave birth to the couple's first child, Miklos Jeffrey Palmer Mickey Jr., Hargate, in December 1958. And she did not take much downtime before the birth of their second son, Zoltan Hargate, born in August 1960. So they were born like 19, 20 months apart, something like that. Zoltan. <laughs> Zoltan. So this is Jane and Mickey, and then there's Jane, uh, Jane Marie. Okay. And Mickey Jr. and Zoltan. It might be Zoltan, I'm not sure. No, it's, it's got to be Zoltan, because uh, did you ever see Dude, Where's My Car? Yes. You yeah. Well, I have never seen it, but you've shown me that. Zoltan. Yes, you've shown me that <laughs> clip. The back-to-back -back pregnancies made it difficult for Jane to pursue her career, though, just prior to becoming pregnant with Mickey Jr., she did an eight-week run of a striptease review in early 1958 at the Tropicana Las Vegas, Astonishingly, she returned to the show in between pregnancies and then after the birth of her second son, starring in a new review in December 1959 at the Dunes Hotel and Casino. Hmm. So as you can probably tell, Jane's career is taking a bit of a turn away from movies and into stage productions. Sure. So like I said, part and of that... Almost like variety type stuff. Yes. Yeah. And part of that was due to her pregnancies and the mm -hmm. harsh realities of the studio system being unsupportive. But part of it was also the rapid decline of the popularity of the blonde bombshell stereotype. Right. That had been like a Marilyn Monroe thing. We're now slightly post-Marilyn. It just was getting it was less something, popular. You need something new. Right. It wasn't the it thing anymore. Yeah. Um. So being put in that box is what initially launched her career, but also a big part of what tanked it soon thereafter. Now, to her credit, Jane didn't let that stop her career, right? She just pivoted away from, like, acting as much and leaned into variety performance. One of her reviews was released as the album Jane Mansfield Busts Up Las Vegas in 1962 and she released the novelty album jane mansfield shakespeare tchaikovsky and me in 1964 that's a, <laughs> it's quite, yeah quite a band basically she like <laughs> uh she recited shakespeare over tchaikovsky's music i don't know something like that i didn't look into that, it that sounds much. about right yeah sure 
Um, interestingly, she released a single, a 45 with an A and B side in 1965 that featured Jimi Hendrix as a studio musician oh, playing bass shit? and lead guitar. Yeah, isn't that wild? That is crazy. Yeah. So despite the turn away from more, like, illustrious performance opportunities, Jane was extremely hardworking. She made a shit ton of money just by plugging away as a performer, right? You can... There have... There's a list of performers who have made a very good living for themselves not just doing big blockbuster movies, right? Well, if you work consistently. Uh, especially if you have, a like, a consistent gig in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what she's doing. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, there are, I mean, Donnie and Maria, where else, right? where else could they be famous? Right. Like, no one else. else wants them. Yes. Vegas is the only place that but wants they Donnie make and a, they, mm-hmm. they work regularly and make a, and that's the thing. All these Vegas performers, like, work. Yes. But they get, constantly. but they get a fuck ton of money. They sure do. But they sure not, do. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, To talk about how much money, when Jane was performing at the Dunes Hotel and Casino, her weekly salary was $35,000. Today, it's about $363,000. A week. So in a month, you're making over a million. Over, yes. In three weeks, she's making a million dollars. Yeah. So in twelve months you're making probably like fifteen million. Oh, it's 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 a huge amount of money, <laughs> really. Yeah. I mean, you're working for it, but it, it's are. still a lot of money. A lot of us work pretty hard, but we don't get fifteen million a year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she also appeared in various TV roles, so she left her stamp on virtually every type of entertainment media. So during this point in her career, Jane Jane had a little trouble being faithful in her marriage to Mickey. She had a couple of very well-known and well-publicized affairs, leading her to file for divorce in 1962, so she didn't go through with it. Again, this is also early tabloid journalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And stuff like this that fueled... Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. The sensationalism mm-hmm. of that now. In May 1960, Jane went to Juarez, Mexico, and was there. Like, right afterwards... Jane found out she was pregnant again. And so for the sake of her career, didn't want to be like, oh, I'm divorced and now I'm single and pregnant. So they, uh, Jane and Mickey told the press, oh, no, 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 we're still married. It's all good. And the state of California agreed. <laughs> and they're like, okay, we'll, we'll not accept your, your Mexican divorce. In January 1964, Jane gave birth to her and Mickey's last child, Mariska Magdalena Hargitay. And right after... Jane sued for California to recognize the Mexican divorce, and it was officially recognized in August 1964. So it was basically like they divorced, fought to get it uh, annulled, basically, or or disregarded, then fought to get it recognized just based on the based on when Mariska was born. Sure. (laughs) So hey, gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. About a month after, let me check. About a month after Jane and Mickey's Mexican divorce was declared valid, a month after the divorce cleared, right? Jane married again. She just likes to jump right into the next marriage. Matt Simber, an Italian film director she had met a couple years earlier, though the marriage was pretty short-lived. It only lasted a couple years. Matt Simber. Yeah. Well, his his actual name, Matt Simber, was not his real name. It was a full-blown Italian name, but that was his anglicized name. She gave birth to her fifth and final child, a son named, sources differed, either Anthony or Antonio. Well, I mean, it's essentially the same same name. name, (laughs) So this is Jane and Matt Simber, and then, excuse me, the, um, so that's Mariska, who it's kind of funny, you can tell that's her, Mm -hmm. Um, her two sons, and then the, the baby. Yeah, and, and I like how the Matt Simber is, he's kind of like a... Uh, he looks like Ricky Ricardo or something. A little bit, yeah. He's definitely not like a bodybuilder type. Like No, he's... <laughs> no. <laughs> she changed her type or yeah. had a variety he looks of like, types. He looks like a dad. <laughs> yeah, she definitely changed her types yeah. <laughs> or, or had multiple types, yeah. Now, the later days of Jane's life weren't great. Uh, so while Mickey had legal custody of their three children, they mostly stayed with Jane. And some sources said they actually were pretty amicable eventually. Um, 
1966, a like, so here's our bad thing that we're covering, but like a sub all bad thing happened mm. to six-year-old Zoltan. Mm. So Jane took her three kids with Mickey, so the the, the Hargitay children, right? Because she still has Jane Marie, mm. but she took her middle three kids to Jungle Land, USA, a private zoo in Thousand Oaks. Okay. That was primarily comprised of animals tamed and trained to be used in movies. What does this instantly uh, remind you of? Well, it reminds me of Roar. Yes. It reminds me of Nope. It reminds me of... <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, that oh, was you're the, right. Well, that nope. was the underpinning yes. to, to that movie. Was yes, you're right. How animals are treated in, 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 the, in the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. not just movies. You're right. Yeah, that's um, right. That's true. But, uh... I have a yeah. feeling something's going to go wrong at... Uh, oh, boy, are you at, right? Jungle uh, Land USA? Jungle Land USA. Of course, it is in, as soon as you said what it was, I'm like, I I, I was like, I bet it's in, um, uh, not Thousand Oaks, where was OJ living? Uh, oh, uh, Brentwood. Brentwood. I was like, that's what I <laughs> thought you were going to say, like, in Brentwood, California. Right. Because <laughs> it sounds like a place. Right. That would be, like, in L.A. Yes, in it LA is very area. L.A. So in a truly roar-like choice, they somehow let a male adult lion fully roam free Uh, on the premises. No, like, no. Yeah. No, you don't do that. In what can only be considered a natural consequence of this choice. Only if you're going to have a sniper on site, like, 24-7, and I'm doubting they had that. So this is what happened. This is a full-grown adult male lion. Saw a six-year-old little boy, Zoltan fully chomped his head. I mean, oh like, no joke. Sure. Fangs around the, like, man-eating lion. Yeah. That type of idea. that A child's head in a lion's mouth. Um, it broke his skull. Uh, yeah. Lacerated his che- che- cheek and his neck. Yeah. And he had, like, puncture wounds. An animal trainer and the park manager literally pried the lion's jaws open. How? To, like, it worked somehow. Guess, they did freeze Zoltan. He was this is a six year old child. He was rushed to the hospital where he underwent extensive surgery. His wounds were treated. He had to have his spleen removed. He ended up contracting spinal meningitis, but fortunately, Jeez. the kid recovered, made a full recovery, which to me is just is just absolutely wild. It's unreal. Here's here's the kid. Looking mildly worse for wear, but with Jane, still, yeah, he he did survive. He did. He not only survived, he fully recovered. It's just like Jesus. I mean, Christ. it's a badass story to tell when you're older. I guess, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but I'm sure the PTSD and not sleeping uh, right? for like the rest of your life probably yeah. doesn't make up for it. <laughs> Fortunately, mean, Jungle Land went bankrupt and closed uh, within a. I few fucking years. hope so. Yeah. That it, but you know what? I, it, uh, but bringing up Roar, I, it makes me wonder, like, because that was filmed Wasn't that around... The yes, but when okay. did this incident occur with the kids? <laughs> 66. Part of it's making me... Th- and I believe initial filming was, like, in the early 70s. Made me oh, think, I like, wonder if they took some, some of, of the them, animals. Ooh, I bet they did. Jesus Christ. You know they did. Man. Because if there was a place like that... and then They got, would absorb the and animals, And then it got yeah. shut down, they were mm-hmm. like... Well, we'll take a couple of those lions. Right, right. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ugh. I cannot imagine a six-year-old boy surviving an attack by a lion. I know. It's I, pretty... I cannot imagine a human. Well, you know what I think it, it probably indicated is that the lion wasn't really intending to kill. Might have been just trying to play. Had to have been. Or... Because if it wanted to or kill... Or it was just annoyed. Because if it wanted being, to kill, it, really, it, it would have... It absolutely could have killed that kid, yeah. Yeah, so... Jeez. Mm-hmm. So, in addition to this horrible little incident, Jane's personal life was just declining in general. Apparently, she was starting to abuse alcohol. And she started living with her attorney, Sam Brody, oh, who was no. allegedly abusive. Yeah. This is... She also started collecting small dogs, which is always when you're entering, like, the decline. If you're collecting them? Oh, jeez, I, mean, I guess three so, little yes. dogs in the bed. <laughs> yes. I don't know. And that, so that's Jane and Sam. Okay. Um, in, and when I say allegedly abusive, um, in mid June of 1967, this is literally like about two weeks before the accident, Jane Marie, who at this point was like 16 years old, filed a report with the LAPD that Sam Brody had beat her. 
Mm. And that Jane had encouraged him to do so. So, uh, juvenile court gave custody of Jane Marie in the meantime to her dad's aunt and uncle. So, she was staying elsewhere at Mm. the time. Um, So, yeah, Jane Mansfield, not a perfect person. She is. That's for sure. Uh, Which, of course, nobody is, but... That's a, a really problematic aspect of this, that she potentially, according to her daughter, you know, exposed her to that. That's mm-hmm. really sad. Now, despite things going so poorly in her personal life, Jean was still working, although, like, the quality of some of the places she was performing was on the decline. On the evening of June 28th, 1967, she appeared at the Gus Stevens Seafood Restaurant and Buccaneer Lounge in Biloxi, Mississippi, which sounds really low rent, but to be sounds fair, like a place in Biloxi, Mississippi. right? To be fair, some famous people had actually really come through there. It wasn't. It wasn't like she was appearing at um, Billy well, that's Bob's. True. That's you true. Know, shrimp was, oil or something was on the scene of like the of like the southeastern circuit, yes. right? Entertainment circuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because there was an army base there. That's part of the oh, reason. Okay. That's part of the reason why. Gotcha. So she was scheduled to make a TV appearance on WDSU's midday show in New Orleans the next day. So after her appearance at Gus Stevens, um, she was going to drive to New Orleans, make the drive to New Orleans. Now, it was about an hour and a half drive. So the her three middle kids were traveling with her. We know Jane Marie was with her uh, great aunt and uncle. I'm not sure where the baby, the youngest was, her her littlest son, who would have been like one at this time, mm-hmm. but was not with Jane at the time. Uh, so also traveling with her was Sam Brody, the her boyfriend then. So Jane and Sam sat in the front seat of the 1966 Buick Electra 225 with 20-year-old driver Ronnie Harrison and all three kids sat in the back, sleeping. Hmm. And Jane's dog was also in the car. Hmm. Uh, Around 2.25 a.m. local time, traveling on Highway 90 near, I could be mispronouncing this, Lee, let me know, it's either Rigolette's Bridge or Rigolet's Bridge. A tractor trailer, so a semi. Sure. Driven by a man whose only name reference I could find was Mr. Rambo, which is kind of funny. Anyway, a truck driver slowed down because he saw flashing red lights from another truck approaching, and it was apparently um, spraying pesticide. Okay. Which was apparently kind of a common thing. It's not known if this is exactly what was happening in this instance, but it was apparently common at the time for them to spray DDT. To kill, this is, this sure, is this the is a, low country a, is, of the yes. South, right? So, uh, for mosquitoes. Yeah. To try and kill mosquitoes. So, it was, the the pesticide, like, fogged up the highway, too. Fogged up the road. And this, I say highway, but this is not, like, a giant highway, right? This right. is a little uh, U.S. highway in the southern part of the state in the 60s. So... The, the semi slowed down, but the Buick behind the semi did not slow down, likely because Ronnie, the driver, his vision was obscured potential, or likely or potentially his vision was obscured by the fog of the pesticide. So he couldn't necessarily see the brake lights of the tractor trailer. Mm. So unfortunately, uh, the Buick hit the back of the semi and slid beneath the trailer almost completely shearing off the entire top of the vehicle jane sam ronnie and the dog were all killed instantly shockingly but very fortunately all three children survived with only minor injuries probably they were in the back seat for one they were sleeping so they were yeah on the floor or on the seats Mm -hmm. but if you think the top of the car was cut off if they were sleeping, their heads were below that yeah. area. Yeah. So, um, so, and they were sleeping. And when you're sleeping, you're relaxed yep. and less likely to, if you're tense, you're more likely to get hurt, right? Mm-hmm. If they were relaxed. So, um, Mariska Hargitay to this day still has a scar on her face from that accident. Okay. You can't, yeah, you can see it if you see hmm. her acting. Yep. Um, there are, unfortunately, 
crime see them. Or, well, crime scene, it's not, but, oh my god. Yeah. This Buick got... There is fucking nothing left. Jeez. So, we kind of know what happened to, uh... Ooh, I didn't realize... What? I don't know if you want to see this one or not. Hmm. Like, if you look at it closely enough, you can, I think, see a person in there. So, just... Oh, yeah. But I kind of already If you look at this that. one, you can see that's a shoe and a yeah. leg. That's one of the guys, yeah. Yep. That's pretty brutal. It's no good. Now, the upside, and of course we know that in this context, upside is not absolute. It is only relative. <laughs> is that they all died like that. Yes. Zero suffering. Died instantly. Right? And all the kids were okay. So, not good. None of it is good. Given, given what but... happened, almost like the best possible outcome. <clears throat> right? Jeez. Yeah. Small favors. Yeah. So as you can imagine, having the entire top of a vehicle sliced off means some very gruesome injuries were sustained yeah. by the three victims. So virtually as soon as word of the crash spread, as you can see, a lot of pictures were taken. Mm-hmm. It was speculated that Jane had been decapitated. This is to this day a, a myth. Uh, urban legend um some witnesses at the scene said they saw what looked like a blonde head embedded in the car's windshield that the cause of death was found to be a crushed skull not Mm. decapitation plus the undertaker was like no her head was on i saw her head attached to her body this is this is not what happened it's possible that the hair people saw was maybe a wig Jane was wearing at the time that flew off yeah. or one she had in the car or unfortunately even potentially this can get a little gruesome trigger warning um she was like basically scalped during the sure. yeah during during the accident so the rumors are, rumors of her decapitation were also accompanied by rumors that she was cursed by the devil. Yeah. Well, sure. Apparently that rumor yeah. came... That's, that's always going to come down the pike at some point. Apparently that rumor came from the fact that in 1966, Jane met with Anton LaVey, founder of the Church mm-hmm. of Satan, who awarded her the title of High Priest, Priestess of San Francisco's Church of Satan. Of course, we all know it is entirely ridiculous that she was quote-unquote cursed, not only because there is no such thing as a fucking devil, but because it does not take a curse to be a victim of a tragedy. Like, what the fuck, people? Especially a car accident. Yes, absolutely. So benign. <laughs> so all the time. Exactly, exactly. Um, horribly, I think, the vehicle was able to be purchased by a private collector. That's, yeah, that's fucked up. And is displayed in a museum in L.A. called Dearly Departed Tours and Artifact Museum. Though apparently the the museum closed last year, thankfully, but they apparently still give, like, YouTube tours. It's really gross and disgusting that they profit off of somebody's death like that. I think that's disgusting. It's, it's, yeah. So... Um, Jane's funeral was held on July 3rd, 1967 in Penn Argyle, Pennsylvania. Mickey was her only ex-husband present, present, and he served as one of her pallbearers. This is a really sad picture, actually. That's him at the funeral. Yeah. Obviously pretty well, broken up. Sure. I mean... For, yeah. They were still on friendly terms, plus this is the mother of his kids. Yeah. His three kids, so... And they'd known each other since they were kind of kids themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And died horribly, which is just mm-hmm. so traumatizing. So Jane is buried in Fairview Cemetery in Pennsylvania next to her father. Hmm. Now, Jane's death resulted in a permanent legacy in highway safety. As early as 1953, some semi-trailers were using rear underrun protection system, or RUPS, bars that hang below the actual... Uh, back of the trailer. Yes, you, you see them all the time. You see now. them all the time, absolutely, on a, on a tractor trailer. On the, well, on you the can't imagine part. one without it now. Exactly, I mean, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, at least in the U.S., if you look, you, you see them everywhere. Um, because they're mandated. Sure. They're also known as Mansfield bars. Because oh, Jane's oh, method oh. of death... Oh, Mansfield. Right. Called attention to this genuine safety hazard caused by the height of trailers relative to the height of an average car. But see, if I were a libertarian, I would give you an argument. Although, like when you go out in your car, you're assuming the risk. Jesus. So 
you know, do we want to be a sissy America and have tractor trailers put bars below them so you don't get somewhat decapitated? I I would I would argue and say that even tractor trailer drivers would say, please put the fucking bar yeah. on it so nobody's decapitating themselves behind me. Right. Yeah. So I don't have to go through that trauma as well. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, yeah, yeah, it's because, not good for the driver either. Because yeah, this driver didn't do anything wrong. It right. was just it, it was, it was what it was. It was an mm-hmm. accident. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So basically, if a car rear ends a tractor trailer without this bar, anyone in the front seat is going to die. Almost yeah. guaranteed, yeah. right? Um and Jane, while she was not decapitated, that is a possibility sure. in such a case. Of course. So um, this rupts, the bar, became more common after Jane's death, drew attention to the horrors of what happened without them, but they still didn't become mandated until the NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, made them mandatory in 1998. So some years later. I guess that's not totally shocking. Some years later, we're talking 30 years later. Now, unfortunately, a lot of these bars weren't particularly effective until much more recently, when in 2013, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety drew attention to this issue. They conducted crash tests, and they're like, "Uh, these bars aren't really holding up and doing what they're saying they're going to do. So trailer companies have been tightening up the... The mo- their models of these bars since then. Though prevention is still considered the best way to avoid death or injury due to rear-ending a trailer. So weirdly, I'm going to end this podcast with like very simple recommendations if you are a driver. Keep a safe following distance from any, any vehicle, but please, for fuck's sake, a tractor trailer in front of you. Never come anywhere close to tailgating. It is just a horrible idea, and always be aware of visibility limitations when driving. And that, my friends, was the story okay. of the death of Jane Mansfield. And I have a few more pictures to show you. Sure. This is Jane's on the top and Mariska's on the bottom. Oh my god, yeah, it's the exact same face. Not exactly, and like different angles There's of... A, but for the, you know Jane, what I mean. Different angles of Jane, you, she doesn't not look as much as Mariska, but, but there can, are some angles. You can definitely tell it's her daughter, though. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. But, well, she would be almost 60 now, right? She's turning 60 She's in about January. To be. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Wow, jeez. So it was my oldest cousin. We were talking about that yesterday. Oh, wow. Wow. We're going to have a 60-year-old cousin next year. You are. What the fuck? And here's <laughs> a picture of the four oldest of Jane's kids. So that's Jean Marie, okay. Mickey Jr., Mariska. It was at the event of her, I think, Mariska's Hollywood Walk of Fame star. Oh, okay, sure. And Zoltan. Zoltan. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, the guy that survived a lion attack. Jesus Christ, uh, as right? A, as a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's just... It's wild, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, if you ever wonder why there's that bar... Well, we know why. Mm-hmm. I think it's relatively common knowledge why there is a bar there. Yeah. And so you don't not, get... Yeah. It's not a perfect system, and some low-lying cars can still can go still under, under them. It, but for the most part... Yeah. But basically... For God's sake, just be really careful. I mean, I th- I think tailgating is a huge problem on the road. At least, I mean, North Carolina drivers, oh my God. What is wrong with North Carolina drivers? They're the absolute <laughs> worst. But I'm sure everyone in every state says that about their own state's drivers. But There are some quirks. I've lived in three different states. There's and, some quirks, And, and in yeah. four different cities. There's some quirks here that are like... Never experienced this anywhere else. <laughs> right. But uh, have you... Ex- I think tailgating is a big problem here. I mean, I do. It's probably... As, so, you I mean, do. I know. And yeah. you need to fucking stop. Because look at the <laughs> shit that it can happen. Like, no. Like, what am I going to say? No, seriously. Tailgating is really dangerous. It's extremely dangerous because you have no reaction time. Even just a even just a sedan, say, you know, or whatever cars in front. It's really fucking dangerous. If somebody slams on their brakes, you got nothing. You're hitting them and it's your fault. And your front is hitting their back, so good mm-hmm. luck to you. Yeah. You know, tailgating is just a, a terrible idea. So that's my little PSA against tailgating. Not that that's what this driver was doing. There were mitigating circumstances no, it, it, it was, to uh, this accident, yeah. but it was it was literally a freak thing. Like, if any of those cars are on scene thirty seconds later, like none of this happens. Possibly, it was just like yeah. A, yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's also it. 
it's a little highway in the middle of a bayou at like um, 2 a.m. in the 1960s. I'm sure it wasn't lit. No. <laughs> like, who, who I'm knows? sure they got any help out there, like, within hours at all. You know what I mean? Well, no, they did, because those pictures that, that, that's what were I'm in saying. the dark, right? But that, like, kind of surprises me. Like, like Man, I hope that that... Um, that there maybe the person in the pesticide truck and then also Mr. Rambo or whatever got to those kids because uh, they uh, were probably I mean who knows yeah jeez but and um I'm I'm sure her older siblings probably have different recollections but Mariska herself does not remember the accident she was sure. too young yeah but yeah she does still have the scar from it wow yeah okay well do, don't tailgate yeah. Yeah. be nice if you took that advice too take your own advice there I'll try. Uh, next time next time i'm driving with you and you're tailgating i'll just say jane mansfield <laughs> well on that note <laughs> that was the death of jane mansfield jane mansfield this has been another episode of all bad things i'm david i'm rachel we'll see you next week